little careful about that. Mm -hmm. It's just that with so many people. Good evening. Tonight we are going to hear a conversation uh, between the Polish writer uh, who's visiting in America for some months uh, teaching at Temple University in Philadelphia, Richard Kapaczynski, and the uh, American writer Frankie Fitzgerald, Francis Fitzgerald. Uh, the, our, the conversation which I, I uh, is, is up to the participants and I can't possibly anticipate they, in the period, uh, in the last hour when we've all been sitting and, and talking, I know that, uh, that both Mr. Kapuczynski and Ms. Fitzgerald have so many interests and ideas and themes in common uh, that this evening's conversation will just represent um, a part, uh, a chapter of what they might talk about and what might uh, interest you. The work that they both do uh, is uh, not, I think, properly described as uh, journalism. It is a branch of literature. Mr. Kapuczynski, uh, in particular, has um, is is one of the principal writers, I think, uh, working now to reinvent and uh, expand a genre of literature which, uh, for a while, seemed minor and has now recovered a good deal of its ancient glory, namely the genre of travel literature. His books, uh, his Frank, you're going to have tonight, which is an, an improvised conversation between uh, allies and comrades uh, uh, in in the venture of write, writing books about the world and about history. I would hope that that conversation would focus on the various uh, genres uh, that their writings could be uh, included as, that is to say, travel literature, uh, reportage, uh, essay, uh, memoir, autobiography. Uh, I know that, uh, 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 that Richard Kapuczynski is embarked, I of course can only read him in English, uh, but uh, I, if my impression is from reading works that have appeared recently in magazines that haven't yet been collected in book form, that he uh, is embarked in some long-term autobiographical project there have been uh, things published in particular in a magazine, in the, in the literary magazine Granta, Anglo-American liter literary magazine Granta, and in the New York Times, the New York Books Review of Books, which uh, are of a uh, quite extensive autobiographical nature. So there is a, a question of what kind of writing this is. It's a, it's a, it's a writing, it's a type of writing with uh, very, very profound uh, roots in the literary tradition, which is by no means exhausted by the usual division between, uh, let's say, novel, poetry, play, uh, essay, and so forth. 
Um, I wanted to, to uh, quote, begin by, 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 or introduce him a little further by quoting two passages to give you something of the flavor of his mind and, and his work. Uh, first of all, I, I want to read a little bit from, from the book called uh, The Emperor, uh, which is a book about the fall of Haile Selassie. This is, in fact, um, how it begins after a page of absolutely wonderful uh, epigraphs, one of which is, uh, it's, it's Jung, man will get used to anything if only he reaches an appropriate degree of submission. Uh, and this is how the book, uh, The Emperor, starts. In the evenings, I listened to those who had known the emperor's court. Once they had been people of the palace or had enjoyed the right of admission there, not many of them remained. Some had perished, shot by the firing squad. Some had escaped to the country. Others had been locked in the dungeons beneath the palace, cast down from the chambers to the cellars. Some were hiding in the mountains or living disguised as monks in cloisters. Everyone was trying to survive in his own way according to the possibilities open to him. Only a handful remained in Addis Ababa where apparently it was easiest to outwit the authorities' vigilance. When you read this paragraph, you think you are in the world of Kafka or Bruno Schultz or some other uh, Central European writer of the first half of the 20th century and then you come to the word Addis Ababa and you realize, no, this is about the real world. And I think one of the many interesting things about Richard Kapuscinski's work is the way it does uh, draw on a very, very deep um, uh, uh, tradition and tonality and sensibility of Central European fiction to uh, apply this uh, to, to uh, try to understand, uh, genuinely to understand, uh, the way the world works. The other thing I would like to read, uh, which is quite a different uh, voice, but it's also Richard Kapuscinski's voice, is from an interview that Bill Buford, the editor of Granta magazine, did with Richard Kapuscinski some time ago, and it's in Granta. And I just want to read one passage. there's a fascination, this is Buford's voice, the interviewer, there's a fascination with footwear evident sometimes in your work. And this is Kapuscinski. I'm obsessed with footwear. It was the dream of my youth always to have a pair of shoes. A shoe, you see, was a matter of prestige, of great pride. And then Buford says, I recall your account of the soccer war, the conflict between Honduras and El Salvador over a qualifying match for the World Cup. You were almost killed dragging yourself along the ground, trailing a Honduran conscript who, abandoning all thoughts about the battle around you, began compulsively robbing boots off the dead soldiers to take home to his family. Even so, I'm not sure if I understand how it is that Pinsk, this landscape of yours, is meant to influence your writing. And Kapuscinski says, because Pinsk, even though borrowing so much from Europe, was not part of Europe, It was not until I was seven years old that I saw my first train. I didn't have a telephone until I was 30, and I'm still learning how to use it. 
People are always having to stop me as I'm halfway through the door on my way to deliver a message to someone who might live miles away because it simply doesn't occur to me to dial a number. I'm made uneasy by technology. I don't trust it. I'm uncomfortable around it. But I'm not uncomfortable in the third world. I've always rediscovered my home, rediscovered Pinsk in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America. In Ethiopia, I am at home. Amid poverty, I am at home. I know what the life means. The society of Palesi was really a feudal one, a tribal one. It prepared me for Africa. Richard Kapuscinski and Francis Fitzgerald. When I first read The Emperor some, some years ago, uh, I began to see it as something um, even other than the, than the list of possibilities that Susan has, has uh, listed for us, and that is a, as a parable. Um, to me, it is the, w w the great parable of, of authority and the decline of authority. Um, and uh, just recently, of course, I began to see it all around me, too, in the behavior of the uh, Reagan administration of the Iran-Contra affair, that if you read that book, everything is in it. I want to get quickly back to the, to the, to the book, to the emperor, but perhaps first a bit of biography. And the reason for it is that um, uh, the only thing I really know about, about Richard Kapuczynski's biography is what a friend of his, a, a Polish um, um, professor, told me very hurriedly at a party one day. And I'm not sure that any of it is true. But it is such a wonderful story. Uh, it might have been written by Kapuczynski. So I thought I would just tell the story very briefly, and then he can tell me if it's so or not. And that is that he began his career not, not as a nonfiction writer or a fiction writer, but rather as a poet, indeed the poet laureate of Nova Hutta. I've never been to, I have been to Poland, but never to Nova Hutta, but I know it, of course, from the film of, of Vida, a Man of Marble. And in that extraordinary film, uh, a young television journalist discovers in the basement of a museum the, the statue uh, of a young man. Who, and this statue has been filed away and forgotten. She tries to figure out who it is or was. Finally, through interviewing many, many people, discovers that it was the statue made of the great bricklayer of this new Stalinist town that was built in the 1950s. He was stronger and a better bricklayer than, than um, anyone else. He was finally made the model of emulation uh, for the whole city. Um, and indeed, uh, he became one of the hated people of Novohutta because no one could emulate his speed or his enthusiasm or his achievements in, at bricklaying. And um, so he suffered greatly for it. And uh, he finally um, became quite another person in, in, uh, in this biography that the young television journalist creates. So I thought, well, perhaps we have something like another man of marble here. Um, who, who beginning as this poet laureate, 
according to the professor, we are back to his story, uh, grew disenchanted with, with this uh, new sort of Stalinoid town of, of, of uh, Novohuta and began writing very strange poetry. Um, his poetry was no longer about bricks. It became about literature, and um, uh, the Soviet, uh, the Polish authorities, uh, grew more and more uncomfortable with this. Until finally, he left and went to work as a journalist for the Polish news agency. Then, according to this professor, um, uh, Kapuczynski went all around the world uh, looking for what he had missed in Poland, which was the right revolution. He looked everywhere. He looked all over the earth. And finally, he came to Ethiopia, where he found, instead of the right revolution, he found art, literature. That, there's where my story stops. Is any of it true? Um, thank you very much, uh, Suzanne. And thank you very much, Frankie. I will just try to, uh, it should be conversation. So. Um, uh, uh, I will just try to be short and brief. Um, I think the origin uh, has three sources. First one is uh, I was born in 1932, and when the Second World War started, I was seven years old. And together with my family, uh, we are all time escaping uh, the death. We are all time on move. And that originated probably subconsciously my interest of the problem of power, of politics, of death, of dangerous extreme situations. It, uh, it, the, the whole my formative years, I was just. Uh, going from place to place, from village to village, always threatened with, uh, with the death. And uh, this create us, my generation, people of, of, of my generation, people very sensitive to all this extreme situation of danger. And uh, probably even it is a sort of deformation which we, uh, which we take from, from our from our youth, from our young years. And, but, I, but it's still in me, and I can't um, make rid of it. I'm, it's, it's a part of my biography and part of my character. So uh, whenever the situation became dramatic, became uh, um, tense, uh, it was a place which I feel I should be there. And then the history give me the gave me the excellent opportunity to to do this because just exactly in the middle of of our century the new history has took place it was the history of birth and creation of this tremendous incredible phenomenon in the history of mankind which was the creation of the third world. The map of the world up to the middle of, of our century was totally different, completely different 
from the map of the world we are living in now. In now. It was different not only politically, economically, but also different in the cultural sense, in sense of human aspirations, in sense of human expectations, hope, despairs, conflicts and war. And it happened everything in a very short period of time. And it happened only in, in last 30, 40 years, as a matter of fact. It was never in, in the history of, of the mankind such a rapid and such a dramatic upheaval of, in, and change in the, in the life of, of our human race. And this uh, tremendous movement, this tremendous change, change is we can divide to three big currents, big streams going on throughout our planet throughout the whole world and which we consciously or unconsciously being each of us and our countries affected by this. The first big stream is the, the tremendous arch, tremendous development of all the people in the world toward independent state of, of being. It was for the first time the, the three-fourth of part of humanity wants to be independent. It was never in the past, in, never in any century before, such huge, great movement toward independence. The history never recorded such a phenomenon. It was not in any uh, handbook of history not in, not in any evidence of hi history, such an incredible movement toward independence and freedom as we have in our century, and the second half of our century. Everything is going on our eyes. Everything is developing on our eyes. So it was the first great stream, first great river who is going through our earth. The second one is a big, huge movement of people towards the towns. We, human beings, in the first half of the, of the beginning of 20th century, in the first half of 20th century, were mostly peasant people. 95% of humanity was living in the villages, was peasant people. The culture which were dominated, or which were um, prevailing but not dominating was a peasant culture. The values which we are, are very much fond of, the democracy, the voting, the discussion, the freedom of speech, all these values was born in a very tiny, small places, which was, a, which was in history, it was a Greek agora, it was Roman forum, it was a marketplace of medieval Europe Western European towns. The places which were populated by one, two, three percent of the population of the earth. There was a very small places, even in technical sense. People were know each other, were going around those agora places, or the philosopher's schools were talking, discussing, and then how this, all these values, which we are still very much fond of, 
were born. But that was when the world was, has a, was divided between two more e even than now group of people, which are people of the Western culture. And the population, which was not belonging to this time, towns was very small at that, at that time. But now, we have completely different situation. We're still places and values which are very much attached to. But now, with the tremendous growth of population, we have millions and billions of people coming to live with us which don't know, don't know nothing about these values, which is no as small as a slightest idea about this. And because the vast majority of, of, of humanity is still illiterate and has never any contact and never any knowledge of what was the, the Roman law, of what was the Greek philosophy, of what was the Western European literature, of what was the, 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 the uh, what was the uh, architecture of, of, of Europe, and so on, so on. So is this tremendous dis disproportion between uh, traditional values and the people who, who are able to know them and to be familiar with, and this 90% or 80% of humanity for, for which is foreign to, to, to this uh, knowledge. So this is a very big cultural revolution which is going throughout the world. This is a revolution uh, which is, means that, uh, which subject is that the, this proportion between the, the town dwellers and the village people, peasant people, is changing very dramatically. At the beginning of our century, only 5% of population were living in the towns. And at the end of this century, in the life of, of my generation, we, we will live this century, we'll enter the 21st century with a f over 50% of population living in the towns. It is incredible movement which humanity never has in the history. Very dramatic, creating a, creating a bulk of in, a very dramatic, very difficult problems which nobody knows how to solve them that we, we've all of us faced in our everyday life. And the third big movement, the third big revolution which we are living in this world, is the, is the movement of the people of undeveloped countries, mostly of different, different color and different religion, toward developed countries which are mostly white countries. Again, it is tremendous movement which uh, embraces millions and hundreds of millions of people and changing completely the nature of societies of developed countries. I was in, in Cologne, which is a very old traditional West German town, and it was a Sunday. I went to, this, to, the, to the game, people, children place was, was playing, it was a Sunday. It was over 100 children playing in the center of Cologne town. Not a single them was German, but they were all Germans. They were all citizens of, of the German, of the one of the most traditional European cultures and countries. And 
they will grow up as the citizens of this society, but with already different uh, values and different religion and different language even. So, and all Euro European countries, and not only European countries, United States, Canada, everybody is facing with this dramatic problem which we don't know yet how it will change. There's the same problem with for, for Soviet Union, the most and most dramatic problem because within the next decade, Russians in Soviet Union became the minority in the country. Usually we say always Soviet Union, we say automatically the Russians. But, but the opposite is, is, is going to happen because very soon non-Russian population will, will become the majority in Soviet Union and it will create enormous problems. As we don't forget also that in Soviet Union is living over 50 million of Muslims and it very soon, by the end of this century, it became one of the most powerful and biggest Muslims country in the world. And that again, it affects the nature and, 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 and the essence of, of, of the society. So we are facing with these tremendous, incredible problems, very difficult, very new one. There is no precedence in history. We don't know how to solve them. Nobody knows how to solve them. And we'll all, we'll all, all of us will try to do this. When and just I'm finished. So sorry. And um, and that's just that was what um, what always fascinating me. And that I was just trying to watch this. I'm historian by by education. And this history, historical perspective, historical perspective, this historical view uh, was always was I was trying to, with with this view, to piece together this all complicated, uh, broken picture of the contemporary world, and just to find out the the general laws, the, the general tendencies which are going through and which are part of this. And that I was trying to, to, to write about, to, to see this, to watch this, because I thought that I had a unique opportunity in my life to see such a tremendous turning point in the history of mankind and to give the evidence to this, to be a witness to this and to give to evidence to this. In The Emperor, you certainly do that. Um, but instead of writing about general laws, you write about particulars. And you have found a way, it seems to me, in that book to translate the voices of uh, one particular part of the third world to us so that we can hear them in, an, in a way that, that we've never heard them before. Um, uh, for those of you who have not read, read the book, it's a book in, which is in, essentially in in um, indirect discourse, it is the voices of the of the former courtiers of the emperor Haile Selassie. I wonder how you came to this way of proceeding, proceeding, um, what, and whether this represented a, a break for you as a writer, a, a real change in, in how you yourself um, 
were proceeding as a writer? Oh, because, because um, I wrote this book uh, because I understood that I can't write anymore in the way I was writing up to this time. Uh, I was already um, working as a foreign correspondent for 20 years, almost, and writing, reporting from all what was going on in third world countries, wars, upheavals, coup d'etats, revolutions. I specialize in this. I was covering usually the whole continent and in normal journalistic work, work is, 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 is natural that you are always going from one place of tension to other place of tension because that's what the people are interested in, to, 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 to read about tension. They don't like to live in tension, but they won't like to, to read about this. So you have, to, uh, you have just to give them this food and, uh, and to go to these places and to write about this. So after reporting and writing for many years about all this, there was a, a, a revolution in Ethiopia in 74, 75. And I was in Ethiopia many years. I was going for, for long, many times to Ethiopia because all those books are the effect of my many years of work. This book particular is effect of my 14 years of work. Because to write the book is not just uh, sitting and writing, but it's all the experience, all the knowledge, all the hardships, all, all the uh, memory you have about the subject you want to to write about. That's obvious, that's banality. And so I was interested in this country for many years, traveling there, knowing this here country. And when I was sent to cover the revolution, I came back and I was asked to, to write a, a series of reports, uh, background stories. And I start to write as the usual way while writing the reports, which usual way to writing the reports is that I'm coming, coming to the airport, and there was the meters in the airport, and there was tanks on the road, and there was we checking several times, and then eventually we find the hotel. There was no water in hotel. There was nothing to eat, <laughs> and all this. You can just, with certain experience, you can sit down and write 20 such reports with, within one day, just changing the names of the towns and, and their <laughs> place. The, 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 the journalism is a very poor, uh, uh, necessary, but very poor way of, of expression. And um, so when I came back, I started to write automatically this, this way, and I understood that, that I can't go any, I can't do any, any more like this. I can't go with this. That's finished. Something, something has finished in my writing. And I would just hate myself, and I would just uh, 
I can't go this. I, I can't do this. I have to, to find something else, to, to say something in another way. But that was the problem how to do this. You know, in, 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 in a journalist belongs to the most of the most, most conservative tradi uh, ways of expression, of, of reflecting the reality. If you take the painting 100 years before and now, it's completely different, uh, com uh, uh, completely different art. If you take m music, contemporary music, it's completely different what what used to be hundred years ago. If you take architecture, the same. But if you take a, a, a newspaper, a journalist piece of work, it's more or less the same. It doesn't change much. Doesn't change nothing. And especially with the reporting, which is covering practically 95 or 99 percent of information coming to the readers in the world, which is the agen agency reporting. This is a sort of communication which I was working for for 30 years, so I, I, I can tell with some experience. You are just using about 100 or 800, about six or 800 words. And you are transmitting, trying to transmit the knowledge about the, about the world. And this is the most poorest uh, way of transmitting any knowledge about the world. And it's not because usually many of journalists are just not cap capable to do this, not able to do this. But there are two problems involved which are very important, and we have to count with this. The first one is the money problem. Because sometimes me being a representative of poor agency, I had a hundred dollars, and the word cost one dollar per word to transmit from the third world country. And there is a big coup d'etat or big revolution, and you have hundred dollars. It means in hundred words you have to describe the history. <laughs> and this is very difficult to do this. It is of course a, a very good lesson to, to write short, to be concise. <laughs> because then you, you have to count each word, just having $100 in your pocket. And the other problem is a problem of time. Because it's a big competition. You want to be first. And if you try to, to, to write a long story, it takes you time. So uh, for these reasons, uh, uh, this is a sort of reporting we are reading in everyday uh, newspaper. We, we, we watch in television, we listen in the radio. And this sort of, we are saying sometimes that we, 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 live, we have increase of information. We have, we have increase of information which is at the same time increase of disinformation. Because this sort of information we are transmitting is a, is, is a disinformation at the same time. Because if, if, you, if you listen to the radio or seen television, the news that Coronel such and such has been uh, removed from the post in the, in the, as the president of Togo and another coronel has been appointed, what, what it tells you? Nothing. This is just exactly classical piece of disinformation, not information. Although apparently it's seemingly it's information. So uh, I understood all this. I understood that the journalist is not transmitting the reality of the other cultures, of the other worlds, of other situations, other peoples. And I have to invite 
invent some other way to do this. And that's I was facing to write this book. Because I, I understood the sort of traditional journalism has, has ended up. And it's a question to find a new approach to the realities which I would like to transmit. And it was a very painful process because I didn't know what to do. And my newspaper was, my magazine, uh, it was a weekly cultural magazine, was pressing me to give the peace, to give the peace. I escaped, I hidden myself, I didn't show up. There was sending me cables, telegrams and everything. I didn't respond. And I was just, I closed myself down and I thought, and you know that something abysmal was approaching because the time was passing, I didn't wrote nothing, and I have to give something, and I couldn't invent nothing. And in usual, in, in usually in such a critical situation, I'm trying to, to, to start with the most simple possible sentence. Just as we have in the first book, if we go for the, to the first class, you know. Our, uh, our uh, such elementary book is start with the sentence that Allah, Allah is a Alice has a cat, which is the most simple sentence you can invent. Alice has a cat. You can't invent more simple than that. We did. Run, Dick, run. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this I don't know. But that's it. So I said, that's the only, only salvation for me is just to find the most simple word to start the book. And then I was going through all materials, economy, philosophy, history, politics. Nothing comes to my mind. And suddenly looking through all this material which I had and the illustration and everything, suddenly it comes, I, I remember that Haile Selassie has a dog. And, uh, and he was always going with this dog. He was this favorite dog of him. So um, I said this book about this revolution, empire, and everything. I will start with a sentence about this small dog. And I wrote this sentence, which is starting something, I don't remember exactly, but something like, it was a small dog of Japanese breed. And when I wrote this sentence, I knew that I have the book. <laughs> the rest is, is only work. <laughs> but the work is always a uh, secondary thing to if you have the idea what to write. Your work always reminds me of some, um, to make a sort of an odd metaphor, of, of the broth that uh, French cooks finally distill after cooking uh, vast quantities of, of, of uh, meat and vegetables. They come out with the perfect essence. And it seems to me that, uh, that um, uh, these short books with often short sentences um, have such distillation. You come to that, of course, of having to write uh, 600 words. Um, that helps. Um, how else, though? Were you thinking, indeed, of any uh, 
any other writer, any literary tradition? Or were you thinking of it simply on your own in the middle of Addis Ababa? Well, this is um, The Emperor, as a matter of fact, my ninth book. So I've, it's, the question is that I'm living uh, two, liter two literary lives. One is in Poland and one is in the world. Because I wrote, as a matter of, I published 11 books. And uh, those books which are translated, sometimes people are writing about me that just he wrote this and this book. But this book is, those books are, as a matter of fact, the result of, of the long way. And, um, but uh, always I was trying to be short, concise in my writing. I'm always obsessed with the idea that there is too many books and too many writing in the world. This is a bad and place to say that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. And, uh, and um, I'm trying that for two, the, I, this, uh, for, for this reason, I'm always trying two things. First, um, I never write a book if I have no idea of, of the form. I mean, I'm not interested in writing books because uh, I think it's enough books written and I don't need to contribute to this. I'm just... Uh, writing book only if I will find the form to write this particular book. I'm trying that each of my book has completely different form and never to repeat myself. But just if I think that I, my next book was repetition of my other book, I will not write this book. I will stop. And I never start to write as long as I find out the new new form, which I think is new form for me to write the book. So this book is a book based on relations of the people of the court. And they are going round, 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 talking, talking, talking. It's a book of voices. Just their voices, there are no people, no persons. And there is even no Haile Selassie in the book. So they are these talking heads. And the other book uh, is, 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 is the book which has three different parts completely. The first part is a part of reflection of the mood. The second part is part of the history, trying to write the history through pictures, through photos, to make photos to move, to make photos to, to act. And the third part is a book of reflections about the revolution, about sense and nonsense of revolution. And this book, the other book, is book of being completely lost in, in completely mad situation, without any possibility to find any, um, any roots and any vinculation with the outside world. And only to, after I find the form to say this, I start to write. Sometimes I'm not writing three years, five years, not because I think I have nothing to write, but because I can't find a form to express this, to say this. 
that was a, a great philosopher of language uh, of Czech origin, uh, whose name was Mukarzowski. And he says once that uh, is practically you can't relate the book, you can't say about book is about, because the book is a combination of form and, and, and plot. And if you take out plot out of the form, if the form is strong, original, this is not to, to say what, you, you, you lost the, the, the book. And if you say only about form, then again you can't say about book is, what about, and you can't say book and plot together. So uh, practically all um, relations about the book is missing something. And for me, those things are uh, indispensable. I mean, the link between those things, the unity, is, is the most important part of writing. And um, I think only the book which invents something, which, which introduces something to the art of writing, uh, are important to write. And sometimes I can't find the form to the book for years, and then I'm not writing at all. And um, it was also in this in this case. I think that um, uh, this is the one thing, and the other thing is why it is so short. I think that. Um, I'm myself, I'm just getting bored when I write, write more than 60 pages. I think this should be enough. But they don't want to publish such a small books. <laughs> they said the books has to be at least 80 pages. So, so I'm struggling to write another 20 pages. And then another say, Richard, try to write another 20 pages. <laughs> so uh, that's, I'm coming to something like 150 or 200. That's a finish. That's enough. <laughs> And um, just uh, different people, different writers. And my, uh, my tension, my emotion is just for, for, for writing 60 or 80 or 100 pa pages. I think I just, uh, because after that something is uh, dying out in you, something is fading away. And then if this tension passed, the writing should stop. And for me, the most important thing is just to, to, to maintain this, this level of tension up to the end of the book. So make it shorter and shorter, because I know that with this tension will die out soon. So I have to be quick. But it doesn't mean that I'm writing quickly. I'm writing very slowly. And my most uh, greatest achievement was to write two pages of manuscript a day. Usually it's it's few sentences or half a page or one page when I'm writing. And um, so I'm not very prolific writer. But on the other hand, I'm consciously not very prolific writer. I just don't want to write and don't like to write. <laughs> That's a great message in this day of mega books. Um, and it sounds very much like Stravinsky's argument with Wagner, I must say, uh, to classical forms, indeed. 
the forms are certainly there. There's also an extraordinary vision of uh, human behavior, of the tropisms of human behavior, often in very extreme circumstances. And then, and then too, a looking aside, um, a looking around the edges, um, often around the edges of a crowd that's, that is running in one direction or another to see what the people on outside of the crowd look like and are doing. Um, there's a there's an extraordinary section in the in the latest book, Another Day of Life, where Richard, uh, instead of describing the evacuation of the Portuguese from Luanda, Luanda, talks indeed about about the crates that they make, talks about uh, the transformation of the stone city into the wooden city of crates. And uh, there are two pages about these crates, uh, some which belong to millionaires who are impressive, beamed and lined with sailcloth, with solid, elegant walls. And then the crates of the poor, on the other hand, which are smaller, often downright diminutive and unsightly. Um, and uh, the, the building of this wooden city outside of the stone city, which is then moved onto, onto boats and, and shipped away often, often to the ocean. Um, it seems, I mean, it's, a, it's an extraordinary and, and sort of surreal image. And I wonder how you look. Um, where is it that you're looking when you, when you I mean, again, uh, journalists look, um, see where the communiques are, who, where the colonel is going. Um, how, how did you learn to look uh, towards the sides, towards the crates? I think it's a technique of photography. I mean, to express the reality through the one shot, through the one, uh, one picture. Because if you have a, such a town in complete mess, as it was Luanda at that time, and you try to, to say something, there are two possibilities. The one possibility it is to write a book about this, about the dying town, which was not dying only. It was the town in transition. It was disappearing one ta town, and out of this disappearing town, dying town, was creating a new town. And this new town was put on the sea. And this town was, was sailing through the sea. And then in the middle of, of Atlantic Ocean, it was spread it, one neighborhood went to Brazil, another neighborhood went to Europe, and third one went to sail to South Africa. And that's the story of this floating town, which is a real story. It's happened. And, and I saw it. So I just describe it. I think it was so simple. I don't know why. It's just I just see it this way. It's sometimes I I'm going to to the country and there is a tension, and uh, but nothing particular happens, and I'm staying in this place, 
and then the war, home war broke up or revolution started. People ask me, how do you know it? I don't know, I sense this. I can't say why. I was several times in, in I had so-called in, in journalist language scoop that I was the first journalist being there. I just felt it, it should be something. And I was staying and waiting and it happened. But I can't say, I can't answer in rational way why. I, I just felt this way. And that's the way of describing uh, this situation, this town. I just see it this way. It's, it's not any rational process that I think, aha, I have to do this and this. And, and I'm just writing what I'm feeling and how I see these things. And I have no any explanation to, to tell you why. <laughs> I thought that just to, you That's know, just to... That's the writer talking. Yeah. <laughs> I think that just the important thing was to, to show through one picture how everything is, is going on. Just not through 20 pictures. I think one good picture is much more impressive, much more telling, much more informative than the whole set of talking, relating, talking, talking, talking. Too much talking, too much writing. <laughs> I hope we haven't talked too much so far. <laughs> I, uh, in the, in the uh, uh, book, The Shah of Shahs, it seems to me that uh, uh, you do generalize to some degree. It's the only time, I think, where I've, I've Read you doing that um, again about, but it, it's about the regularities of of human behavior. It's not a, it's not about politics per se, but but how people behave in the in these in these circumstances. I wondered if you had indeed been been thinking about that kind of thing for for a long time. Whether whether as you have moved from from one violent situation to another, you watch. Um, it, you, it, you're creating, in some sense, a science of human behavior, perhaps. Well, the, again, this is well. This because I, under, I, you know, in my opinion, the writing, contemporary writing, requires a great deal of knowledge. Uh, it's just not just to sit down and write. I think that the generally the prose, the literature, is going through the. Uh, very important process of essayization and uh, literature, even so-called fi fiction literature, if it is ambition literature, uh, is uh, using the, the literary um, structure only to transmit uh, a knowledge about the world. Because now people are turning to the books for three reasons. One, are buying books which are reference books. How to cook, how to slim down, you know, how to exercise, and all this. And other books are books for just for, for like television. You can't uh, watch the television, so you read the book. Just for entertainment. But if we're speaking about ambition literature, 
people are turning to this ambition literature to understand, to know, to ask the writer what he has, what he can say him, what he can um, tell him, what he can suggest him, how he can explain him. And because general knowledge of this ambition reader is, 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 is growing up and up because it's a more and more knowledge in the world, because it's a more and more of everything in the world. The world is expanding, not only universe, but our small planet is also expanding world. So we have more and more of everything, more and more of, of famine, but more and more of knowledge, and more and more of people and of, of, of planes, of, of everything. So also the general knowledge is, is growing, is expanding. And to write now is to, to have a very great responsibility and even, I will say, very great a feeling of humility toward my reader because I consider that he's an intelligent man and he has a lot of knowledge. So to say him something I have to know at least 10 or maybe 100 times more than he knows. And I think that he knows a lot. So for me to write is, is, is before writing to read a lot and to have a knowledge in all possible disciplines, fields, psychology, social psychology, sociology, economy, political science, uh, arts, everything. I, was, I, I wrote a small book uh, years ago about the, but it's probably the experience of, of all writers. Years ago I wrote a uh, small book, 100 pages, about the uh, Asian uh, Republic of, of Soviet Union, exactly the place where the fighting is going Armenia, Azerbaijan, and so on. So this is a 100 pages book, but I wrote to this book only 14,000 pages of the scientific books about this region, of history, of philosophy, of religion, of culture, of art, of architecture, of everything. So I think for every page of writing, it, it needs at least 100 pages of reading. And, uh, I never dare to write a book about something which I, 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 I'm, at least I'm convinced that I wrote everything about this. Just not to repeat myself. Well, why to write the things which already have been written about? If, if I found out that things have already been written, I stop writing. There is no use to write. So, but, but to have this uh, conviction, I have to read everything before about this just to know that what I'm saying is really new. And of course, this is a very difficult thing, but writing is very difficult. Everything is difficult. Sport is also difficult now. It's very difficult to break the world record in something. <laughs> so uh, everything is very high now. In writing, it's the same. I have lots more questions, but um, it's now nine o'clock, and uh, we should probably be uh, 
end at around 9.30, uh, quarter to 10. So I thought I would, uh, at this point, open up to questions from the floor. And I just wanted to ask Susan if she had a question first. Um. Well, I, I have two questions that are, uh, one of which I, I think that Frankie actually already asked, but I will uh, try to get you to answer. Uh, I would like to know if what writers, if any, do fascinate you, and I use the word fascinate. I mean, I don't mean who you think is the best or something, but some is. Are there a couple of writers, living or dead, who are important to you as some kind of of model? Um, I mean, it could be a Roman writer. It could be a. I don't know, anybody. I'm just out of curiosity. And the other question, purely a question of curiosity. You mentioned that you had written a book about, uh, based on experiences in travel uh, to one of the uh, uh, Soviet Asian republics. Could you tell us a couple of other books that you've written that haven't been translated? Oh, well, to first question, it's, it's quite often this question is raised, but I can't say. I'm just, uh, I like good books, good writers, and, uh, but um, I can't say exactly that I was influenced by somebody. No, but I didn't say influence. Uh -huh. No, I didn't say well, influence. I said, uh, but you don't have to it's, answer. It's Obviously nothing, you yes. don't, this is a second try and no. you don't want to answer. <laughs> but it's not about influence. Because not, I think I know, any yeah. writer, uh, I hate being asked who I'm influenced by because mm. it is, uh, um, being asked to stand outside yourself for one thing, which is which is mostly not a I'm reading job. since years. I'm 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 re reading now only philosophy. No. But I, I only said, is there a writer you're fascinated by uh, uh, who no. you return to? I don't no. mean is this writer an influence? Doesn't no. have to be an influence at all. No, no, no. No. Okay, that's the answer. No. Then. No. <laughs> what was the second? Part? The second question was, yeah. tell me two more books. I like it, many writers, yes. That's no, 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 but I'm not talking, I'm not, I, I, yeah, I, I, I know said, what you mean, no. Fascinate, yeah. No. Okay, tell me two more books yeah. besides the, make it easy, very precise, two more books besides the, the, the book on the Soviet Asian Republic that haven't been translated, just so that we have a picture, a better picture of the range, since we do only, we know, know only three of your books, and I have mm -hmm. a feeling they are later books, later. Mm -hmm. You said there were 11, and you said the emperor was the ninth. Um, if you could just give us the, an idea of, in whatever way you like, the form, the plot, the, the theme, the, the country, of two other books that we don't know that haven't uh, yet been translated. Well, um, well, my last, well, latest book uh, published is a book of poems. But uh, from, from this kind of, of books is, um, well, I have the book which is called Soccer War, which is a book of my um, adventures and reflections and stories from me working in the third world. This is a book covering uh, a lot, well, geographically, but geography is not important in what I'm writing. Geography is completely secondary to this. Because sometimes people say book about Angola. I never wrote book about Angola. Or people say book about Iran. I never wrote book about Iran. And uh, this is a very simplistic view. And uh, practically, uh, one uh, of literary critics wrote in London Review of Books 
interesting uh, observation. He said that in case of my writing, the countries and the places are not countries, but only states of mind. And Iran or Ethiopia is not a country in his writing. It's a state of mind. And uh, this is close, probably, to what I, I think about what, what I'm doing. I'm just using particular place to describe the problem which interests me, which fascinates me. The, for example, I use the, the, the case of, uh, of, uh, of Ethiopian revolution to write a book about how politics corrupt the people. But corrupt not uh, in a sense of, because by corruption we usually understand economical corruption or privileges. But how politics corrupt the souls of the people, their mentalities, their subconscious, their way of being, their, their physical appearance. Politics change the physical appearance of the man. The man before entering politics and men who, who live left politics, they look completely different, physically. So uh, that's, that's what I'm writing about. And in each case, some, something else was fascinating me. So I use these countries or these events as a backdrop. Although everything is, is absolutely factual in those books. But the problem is that you can read them on different levels. You know, you can you can read them as a history of of Ethiopian revolution, but that's very superficial way of reading this, and there are different levels to read them. You know, because there's also a book about loyalty, there's also a book about oh, many things, and that's why this book, which is about Ethiopian revolution, always people say me, oh well, Richard, this is exactly what's happened in my office, or this is exactly what happened in my company, <laughs> and that's. Things which are going in Switzerland, which has no tradition of any dictatorship or something like that. Um, so um, that is a uh, that is a one book. Uh, well, the, I have another book about. Well, I have a book about Poland. I have a book, uh, uh, literary reportages about Poland, called Bush. Uh, Bush, which is uh, English word, Bush a la a la Polonaise. And uh, I have another book, uh, uh, which is uh, a book of essays about, uh, about Africa. And uh, well, I don't remember all those books. I, <laughs> I can't resist asking one more question. These books are in such beautiful English. Um, do they seem like different things to you in English as opposed to in Polish, or does it seem very much like the same thing? Well, I have translators who, who are, it's a couple, American-Polish couple, and they, trans, they were translated all these three books. And uh, they live, uh, sometimes they live in America, sometimes they live in Poland. Presently they are in Poland in the University of Krakow working. And, um, but we have a lot of beautiful translators from uh, from uh, Polish to English, uh, in uh, in uh, in also in this country, Klara Gówczewski being one of of them, 
and uh, so there is no problem of to have a, a, a beautiful translation from Polish to to English. They are really very good. Well, um, this is a difficult answer to this question because it is not any conscious uh, way of doing. Uh, my answer is always that uh, a writer is a one person. And what he writes is his one experience. He reflects in his writing his total experience. My total experience is that I was lived partially in Poland and partially in the third world countries. I spent most of my professional life out of Poland. And, uh, but of course, in, in my writing, it's, it's a reflection of all these authoritarian situations and all these mechanisms which are, which are typical for to authoritarian uh, power. Uh, as concerning of uh, publishing uh, or not publishing, um, I was always writing uh, what I was thinking to write, and uh, it, it, it was published because it was not necessary, not, not immediately about Poland. And uh, in this sense, uh, you can say that it was trying to avoid this problem of censorship or and something like that. But since many years, we have also the underground publishing. So it, if you don't want to be published in, in official publisher, you can be published underground. Well, par partly yes, but not any special books. Yes. Of what Frankie writes? Yeah. Because it was just uh, agreed on this way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we can start a new one, and then I will ask the Frankie. Yeah. Okay. We can start it. We it's have time. It's another evening. It's yeah. another evening. <laughs> the same form. Just with you know, we're writers. Just with deal. I think Frank is doing the same. I mean, on different uh, different subject. I mean, but also not only very different because he wrote a book about Vietnam, which is an excellent book of this genre. Judith I'm not alone in this endeavor. Judith in was this, asking uh, about the form uh, of this this evening, however, yeah. I think, and uh, it seems to me that we are set in a form already. <laughs> we have which one which we accept. <laughs> what <would be> the, <laughs> the same, um, probably. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, I have, as it turned out, um, uh, mucked up the form a bit because I'm supposed to repeat the questions for the, for the tape, so I will do that from now on. Excuse 
who's it? Yes. Um, I wonder if this is your first uh, visit to the United States. He's not. Is uh, this the first visit to the United States? No, I was several times already in the United States. Uh, do you plan? Well, do you plan to uh, write about this country? Uh, no, I don't plan to write about United States in form of a book. As 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 f up to this point, you never know what you are going. Uh, what I will write next book. You know, it's a lot of in writing. It's a lot of happening, especially in my writing. I, s I sometimes start a book about another one subject, and it ends up in the book about completely different subject. So uh, I'm I'm writing very un unconsciously. There's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, unconscious in my writing. And if I read after that what I wrote, I'm surprised because I never thought that I would write this. And sometimes people make interviews me, ask me, ask me, well, in the book such and such you wrote and other. What do you think about this? I said I wrote this. It's impossible. <laughs> So I said, well, but look at this, it's, it's your book, it's your page such and such, it's written. I don't remember this. And uh, I have the custom, for example, just to uh, underline if there is something important. It's a, it's a bad custom, but I have this custom. And I, I had to make a um, sort of a collection of my, of my works. I never read what I was writing. And, uh, but that was, I, I was forced to by, by the by, by this uh, um, project. And I had a book which is called If the Whole Africa, which is a book of essays about the beginning and birth of, 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 of Africa. And I wrote this book. It's the only, only thick book which I wrote in my life. And I wrote this book, and I, I just, after some time, I, was, I saw that I was underlying a lot of things. So from this book, I learned a lot of things which I never knew that, that, that things existed, you know. And I think, but this is not uh, specific for me, but uh, I just want to, to say that it's a lot of um, spontaneous, lot of uh, happening in writing. So I can't say with certainty that I will never write about United States. But um, I'm sorry to, to sit this way, but I have to talk to the to, to microphone. <laughs> uh, mm, but uh, um, but um, um, the question is that I believe in sort of specialization. I'm not specialist on, uh, on America. I'm not specialist on history of America. I'm not specialist on sociology of America. I'm not specialist on American culture. Uh, I can't just jump in and to write a book. It's not serious for me. I believe in specialization in writing. I'm, what I'm writing, I'm, I can prove and I can trust to a certain degree what I'm doing. And I'm too old now to start to be specialist on the United States. To get, I'm, I, I specialize in, in third world countries for over 35 years, all my life. And so with certain amount of certainty, I can talk about problems. Because I'm living 40 years in, in this with these particular problems. 
and I have no time now, I have no more 40 years to, to start specialization about United States. Of course, certain impressions, certain uh, uh, observations, certain reflections I can do, but that is not nothing which, you, which might be um, any, any, any serious, important book. The question is, um, why, with someone, with someone who has such a special vision as you do, why do you struggle over form? Because, um, after all, as you said, it's in front of you. I, when, I think the real literature can defend uh, yourself in contemporary world only through the form. Uh, because that's exactly what the division is. And in, 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 in the important ambition literature is, is the struggle for the form, which we discover, we just open the book, and after the first page, we know already what the book is. And this, uh, it, it, this is how the, the, real, the only chance of real literature is through the uh, developing and finding the new forms, or trying to find, or struggle with the form. What I was just trying to, uh, to, to say my, my students in, in my university in, in Philadelphia is that, that um, even if you will not succeed, and in most of the cases, or practically you will never succeed in find out the new form. None of us. But to show this struggle for the form is, is what the literat literature means, new yeah. literature. Pardon? It is very hard, yes. Yes, I know, but that's what, what I'm, I'm trying to say. I believe, in, I, I, I believe in this, that the only sh chance to survive for the literature is as, as far as to, as to the extent it, it will be really a form of art which we will distinguish from, the, from this sea of unimportant or secondary books which are surrounding us all over. And, uh, and, uh, and the, the reader, contemporary reader, if it is ambition reader, and we're speaking about only such a reader, he, he, he wants us to see that we are fighting for something, that we are struggling with something. And he will accept our defeats, our failures, once we will see that we are serious, that we are earnest in this, what we are doing. And we even can admit this in our writing, in showing this, our decompositions, that we are unable to put these pieces together. So we are trying to do this. And, uh, but, to, but to show him that, uh, that something serious was involved in our work, not only just telling the stories, but to find to tell the stories in the way nobody told them before.
you've mentioned some sweeping changes in, in history, and what would you tell this predominantly first world audience um, uh, of what is essential and important, uh, the changes that are going on in the third world? Is that right? It was not essential, it was dangerous, which uh, is, is yeah. Yeah. What is endangered? Yeah. Excuse me. Because something might be essential, but n not necessarily but not a danger. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't think there is any immediate danger in this sense. You uh, something is uh, endangering today or tomorrow, or something like that. Because uh, uh, this is uh, from this point of view, I think the the the. The, the societies of high consumption can be quiet and continue consumption because nothing will happen immediately. Uh, what, what, I was, um, what I'm uh, thinking is this general change which will happen and uh, I'm, I, I cannot predict anything because the world is unpredictable. The only thing is that is something in, in, in this fact that by the end of this century and uh, uh, and this is only 11 years to this to to this moment. The the white people in developed countries will be only 11 percent in the world. 90 percent of the population will don't belong to this world. Because such as a dynamic, such as the trends in in the in the growth of of how what will happen after that time, I can't say. Because the question is that we all, in all uh, forecasts, we are always failing. Because we are failing because our uh, imagination is historically limited. With our imagination of today, we can't know what will happen after 10 or 15 years because that will be already another imagination. We can't repeat imagination. Our imagination is historically limited. We can't repeat imagination which create, for example, the age of cathedrals. We can't build now the cathedral because our imagi imagination is different from the people who invented the cathedral. We can't uh, repeat the, 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 the movement of impressionism because the people who invented this has another imagination. Nobody could predict this. Nobody in the Greek time or Roman time could predict the age of, of cathedrals because those people has another imagination. The same with us. Our looking at the future is always misleading and always uncertain because we simply don't have the imagination which will be ruling dominating imagination in the after, for example, 20 years. So we're always blind. And of course, we can guess, we can, uh, there is a lot of institutes of futurologists, there's a lot of magazines trying to predict, but always well failing. When the United Nations building was built after the first world, Second World War, there was, uh, uh, there was um, a board of archi architects and politicians and Americans, everybody was dis decided that we have to be build this building for 39, 40 delegations, permanent delegation, because the optimum, they imagine the world of independent countries will be only 40 in the world. And that was only 30 years ago, those people are alive. 
you can talk with them, you can call them. You know? Their imagination in 46 was that the whole world will be only 40 countries. And you can't blame them. There was just imagination of that time. So again, we can't imagine what will happen after 20, 30 years. We don't know. And so it's difficult to say what all these trends of growing uh, mass of, of, of people in third world countries, uh, increasing population, growing famine, uh, what the result will, will, will create for the whole world. That we don't know. It's difficult. I'm, at, at least myself, I'm unable to answer this question with any um, scientific, uh, in any scientific way. I must Thank say, one of the great <laughs> lessons I learned as a journalist was never to predict anything. <laughs> it seems like that uh, uh, even in the short term. Yes. What place has religion uh, in your writing? Well, um, in some way, an uh, important place in the sense that um, I'm from the country which is a very religious country. And, um, and religion always played a very important part in the history and, uh, and the contemporary life of, of my country. And uh, I'm writing about the, the words and cultures in which religion is very, very important. And the importance of religion in those words is growing, becoming tremendous uh, political, not only spiritual, but also political force. I think two cultural phenomena became now a very important political force. The first one is ethnicity the growing feeling of belonging to certain ethnic group uh, as, a, as a only sometimes the way of identifying himself or somebody with any place or any group of people. So the ethnicity and the other one is religion. And we have a growing, uh, growing uh, we can observe the religion as a growing force in the world. It's probably that uh, for, for different reasons, but that is uh, the whole, uh, the whole um, lecture about the subject. But general tendency is, is going in this way, that we observe uh, um, developing all religions in, uh, I mean in the third world, uh, are in, 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 in a state of, of, of upsurge, of, of development, of, of growing strength. No, this. Uh, How would you describe yeah. yourself as a writer? I, no, 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 not only as a writer, but generally was. was generally, I, I difficult to answer me this question really, and uh, because I mean probably these two critics, but critics also don't know what to do with this, and uh, so they 
described me in different ways. I don't think it's maybe um, so um, for myself. Uh, this uh, this auto definition is maybe so important. Maybe I'm just trying to avoid this sort of classification because uh, mm, what I'm trying to do is just to find out the. Uh, just not to be a identify with any particular, uh, put to any particular drawer. And what I'm writing, I'm just called text or manuscript or something like that. I can't say. I'm just, what I'm writing is just manuscripts. But I don't know what it exactly is. I can't say. It's difficult for me. Uh, Richard, when you were asked uh, if you might possibly write something about America, you answered that you had not uh, invested the kind of time or experience, uh, you hadn't had the kind of immersion uh, through living here and reading and having a lot of contact that would give you the confidence to write in the way that you have about Africa and, and, and South America and so on. And I, I understand this, this point of view, it's a, it's a very persuasive point of view, but uh, would you not agree, I don't mean that it applies to you, but would you not agree that uh, it is possible to write a great book about a culture based on a single trip? I, I'm, I'm thinking of the most obvious example, which is that the best book ever written about the United States was written by a foreigner, a Frenchman, who Talk came yeah. and spent yeah. about eight yeah. months here yeah, totally, and it's yeah. the best book ever written yeah, about this yeah. country and most of it still holds yeah. true 150 years later mm. so that we know it is possible Absolutely. to have a yeah. kind of insight into a culture because it's so new I mean it yeah. depends on who you are and what you bring to yeah. it and de Tocqueville was a, a great and profound uh, spirit and he wrote mm -hmm. about many other yeah. things in a great yeah. and profound way yeah. such as his own society in the French yeah. Revolution and so yeah. on but I think you would agree that sometimes it works just the other way around. Absolutely. And that yeah. you have a kind of clarity in the way that you might see something in one year that would then take you 30 yeah. years yeah. more yeah. to see again. Uh, thank you very much for this correction, which is... <laughs> <laughs> which is Suggestion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is... Uh, I agree. I just... I was not... Um, I mean... Um, it was not a true. Uh, this was not a good answer. What I was thinking uh, to, about preparation and about writing in 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 uh, and the case of Tocqueville, of course, is uh, but it's many such a case in the world literature uh, is that uh, Marco Polo wrote, wrote such a book, not knowing China, just going through. But uh, I think it's a question that yes, of course. But uh, the difference is that you have to come to write a book about. I mean, to think about this. But I'm rushing, I'm coming for one week, having uh, meeting you know, people for lunch and taking plane and leaving uh, America. But I think the reason, uh, uh, I think the reason you, you, you probably aren't going to write a, a book about America is it's not part of your life agenda as a writer, and that's a very difficult thing to describe. Tocqueville, there's a reason that Tocqueville wanted to write this book. He wanted to understand what was happening in the modern mm -hmm. world, what the ultimate result of the French Revolution would be, what modernity was, what the destruction of aristocracy was. He had a whole project about understanding Europe, which 
he had the incredibly original insight. He could get a kind of view as to what was going to happen in Europe, perhaps in another hundred years, by coming to a country which didn't have a feudal era and an aristocracy and so on. He would discover what democracy was because he knew that was the future of Europe too. But I think it's because it fit with something you already wanted to know about. And I think the reason you probably won't write about America is it doesn't really fit with what you most want to know about. Not that you couldn't do it. Of course, we're all a little frustrated that you don't want to write about us. No. <laughs> we are not yet a third world country. Yeah. <laughs> Angeles, see how these uh, new American society of different races, third world countries are created in America. This aspect has yes, interests me very much. And if I'm reading something here and watching uh, in American societies, just exactly this, this melting pot, you know, these problems of religions and races and all this, this aspect, yes. But it's, of course, only part of America. I saw a question in the back before. Yeah, yeah, sorry. That's exactly as this. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what fascinates me. Yeah, well, excuse my, my me, I'm yes, so sorry. it's, oh, oh well, um, yeah. <laughs> Why you excuse me? Uh -huh. uh, isn't it uh, indeed um, the qu whole question of immigration that you mentioned previously that, that interests you? And isn't it, in some sense, uh, uh, isn't Euro Europe now becoming Americanized in that way uh, through, through uh, immigration? Yes, of course. You can't write now, you can think about the world. As, as a global unity without thinking about America and, uh, and the mutual influence of, of American culture on the, the rest of the world and, and uh, the, the, the influence of the, of the third world cultures and people on certain sections or certain aspects of American society. So this, this, this link is, is absolutely obvious and that's exactly what I was telling you. I'm going now to... to to, to see these things and even to write about this. But not uh, to write a book, as we were talking at the very beginning, just about everything or what America is like. Maybe, I'm, I don't know. It's too difficult to say to me. I think we'll have just one more, two more questions. Yeah. Yes? It, seems, it would seem to me that your emphasis of form appears to be more tinsel than fact. It's trying to dramatize what has been perhaps many times said, or what has not been said and may not really have something to say. So that I'm looking for, I'm seeking what would be or what is your personal conceptual theme? What do you value particularly that brings you to whether you write a book or whether you report? And before you can actually motivate yourself and bring yourself to write, there has to be something there, and it, it would be of your own thinking, your own mullings that have now become part of your. 
the question is a global one, and uh, we, ha we haven't got all that much time left. You're going to have to select a little part of it, I'm afraid. But, but it really is about what you, what you value and what, what motivates you to write. I think the, the, of what motivates me to write, oh, this is a very complicated answer to this. I think just to convey some, some another, I think the, the, we have living in the, in the world of many cultures, many, we have living in plural world, but we know very little about each other. I understand my uh, work, my profession as a sort of mission, not a profession, but a sort of mission. I think that I have to pay something uh, uh, for what I lived and what I saw. And I see my, um, my um, obligation to be a sort of translator, translator from one culture to another culture. There are some people who has to translate because if we don't understand each other, we will never live in a peace and tranquility. And we will never know much about ourselves. So my idea is that going to different places, knowing different cultures, the rule is to transmit, to try to find out the ways to say about other cultures in the way we can understand with our set of uh, values, with our knowledge, to understand the other culture, to understand that other cultures are also fully valued and important cultures. And that's, that's this link, this, this, this translation is what is my role. I understand it this way. I saw one more question way back there. Are you surprised by the naivete of the U.S. government? Is wait, wait, wait. Are you surprised by the naivete of the American government in its deal dealings with Iran? Oh well, this is a very long question to answer because it's a very complicated process was going on there. It was a lot of mistakes committed by by in American policy in, in Iran, which after that was uh, uh, resulted as it is resulted. Um, but uh, but that's a very difficult geopolitical, and uh, I spent a long time studying this and and being inside. So I will willingly answer you this, but in a very sound way, which will take another at least one hour. You like it? <laughs> I'm not. Huh? <laughs> Just the reason. Even the recent mistakes what? are very long in, in the telling. I'm afraid. <laughs> I, I, it seems to me that um, uh, that uh, it is perhaps for such for such reasons for such questions why 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 uh, so many of us in this audience are are eager for you to write about the United States because it too deserves its active translation. And I want to thank you so much, Richard. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.